survive in advance is the name of the game. Or at least in other sports it is. I don't know about Auburn football, but that was the mantra this weekend as Auburn struggled. And I do mean struggled to beat Missouri. And this is Compact Discourse. Alex Houston alongside Griggs Blankenberg in the Bradley Bays and WEGL studio in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center. Ready for another sports-heavy episode a Weagles one and only daily morning talk show. Lot to discuss from this weekend. Unfortunately, Auburn once again gives us a lot to talk about. Never a dull moment here on the plains. Griggs, I believe you were at the game. I was in the press box. You were in the stands for it. What was your perspective on that? Well, whatever it was. Uh, well, thanks again for having me. Um, that that was quite the game. Just. We had Auburn scored the two touchdowns in the first quarter. The Missouri scored two touchdowns in the second quarter, and then it became a Big Ten uh, East contest. That's a good comparison. With punt after punt after punt, I think it was all punts in that game until the um, until the final two plays of the fourth quarter, where Auburn went for it on fourth and one on the Missouri thirty-four, didn't get it, and the Missouri missed the field goal. So you're exactly right. It was punt after punt. At one point, I believe there were. 18 total, no, 16 total punts and 22 total completions. And the, so, and the total amount of punt yards in that game, 751 yards. Hey, both punters looked really good. That uh, was a, that was a good game for the for the punters on the scout team. You know, the, the NFL, they're going to be looking at those two guys because they had all their skill set on full display. That Missouri punter, my goodness, he had a leg. I think they said yeah. at one point he had a 70-yard punt. He was good. I li- he was really good. But, ugh, good Lord. What an awful, awful, awful game. The fact that Auburn won on a Deshaun Jackson-esque play at the end of the game. Yeah. That that about summed it up. I mean, I mean, I was he was running into the end zone and I was ready to write it down. Oh, Auburn loses the game, and then he just fumbles it out of the end zone. I think it's crazier to me that Auburn somehow had more yardage in the three to two game than they did on Saturday against Missouri. And I mean the crazy thing is, is like, you know, it started really well. A 14-play drive where they just ran the ball at will. Cool. Awesome. Good for you guys. Mm-hmm. Then Derek Hall gets a pick. First turnover of the year for Auburn. Yay. Then Auburn runs it again. Robbie Ashford has two completions. They score again. You're like, okay, wow. But then, as the third, fourth, and fifth drive started happening, you kind of realized – Auburn didn't have any other game plan outside of running the football in like basically jumbo sets. And once Missouri keyed in on that and put the farthest defender from the line of scrimmage only seven yards away, Auburn didn't really know what the heck to do after that. It was one of the worst game plans I've ever seen. Yeah. So I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but someone was like, Auburn had like the best 15 plays they could have thought of, and then that was it. I mean, just. It was it was so odd to me because they've un they've unleashed Robbie in previous games, including last week when he attempted 19 throws, and this week they just would not throw the ball. They ran it on first down every single series, and they cannot run the ball against anybody. Missouri's rush defense is awful, by the way. They gave up 200 nearly 250 yards to Kansas State earlier this season, and Auburn got whacked. They averaged. I think under two yards a carry. Uh, I believe that was the case. Or at two, it was like it was like forty-two Ooh, no, less one point 
eight yards a carry. Right. So it was it was forty two carries for like eighty one yards, something like that. Forty five carries, oh. eighteen yards, one point eight yards per run. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Robbie Ashford again was the leading rusher. And it's just the offense was so vanilla. They ran that draw sweep with Robbie Ashford maybe six times. I don't know if it gained a yard. Just awful. And the fact that that's the that's the issue here, right? Is yes, the team is bad, right? When we're talking about Harson and being critical and blah 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 blah, the team is not very good. They just aren't very talented at certain positions. The offensive line is not good. They just aren't. They lost Nick Brahms this year. Things happened. Okay, sure. After game four, you have to figure out a way to scheme around it somehow. For all of Gus Malzahn's flaws, and I said this after the game, and my dad was like, don't tell me you want Gus back. No, that's not what I'm saying. I, I don't. I think Gus Malzahn had to go. I think I think it, it was just time for a, a switch. I've said that then. I'll say it now. But <clears throat> at least Malzahn could somewhat scheme around the team's deficiencies because – I mean, look at look at Auburn's offensive line against Clemson in 2017. Absolutely annihilated. That that didn't happen for the rest of the year because Gus was able to figure out a way to still run the ball and to still throw throw the ball effectively without Jared Sidham getting annihilated 11 times, which is what happened against Clemson. We haven't seen anything like that. If anything, the game plan again on Saturday was just run it until they figure out that we're running it, and then just hope for something. I mean, at that point, I literally said. With seven minutes left, this game's going to go to overtime because neither team could score. I think um, we talked about the offensive line. I think Justin Ferguson said it best. He tweeted this out the other day. Um, according to PFF, Auburn running back Tank Bigsby had 62 yards after contact against Missouri. Only problem was he only had 44 total yards in the whole game. Which, for those who do not comprehend what that stat means, it means that Tank was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage and then getting back to the line of scrimmage. So, for example, if we ran a toss play – seven yards back, Tank gets hit, and then runs to the line of scrimmage, gaining no real yards, he would get seven yards after contact. That is one of the craziest like stats I've ever seen. If you want to point to how bad that offensive line is, you can literally pinpoint to that, where you are getting a running back the ball, and you cannot hold up for a matter of seconds to let him get at least back to the line of scrimmage. Just wild. And again, that fourth and one play, I mean, they didn't stand a chance. And the problem is... A lot of times they're bringing in tight ends to help block in the run game, and they're just not very good at that. That that fourth and one, Luke Deal and Tyler Fromm just whiffed on, on their guys. That's just what happened. I get that we went for fourth and one a lot. I understand. I think Harson said after the game, I don't know. I'm starting to – everything he's saying is starting to, like, mix together a little bit. He said that he thought they could make it after their success on fourth and one earlier in the in the game, which is fair. And, again, in that case – it's, it's half a yard. You've got the best running back in the SEC. You should be able to make that. The problem is they can't. You don't have to run up the middle of Tank Bigsby every time, I think. But in that scenario, just – I mean, honors didn't look that good the other day. Would have been, it would have been like a 49-yard field goal? Uh, yes, about. Okay. okay, so that would have been maybe a little bit of a struggle. But, I mean, I liked it that they went for it a lot the other day. They had the two that completed the one that didn't. But then again, this game was just so – so. there's so many bad things you can look to. I mean, you're burning one of Holden's redshirt games. when we He said that he was going to – other people said that he was going to take snaps. The only time he gets snaps is when Robbie goes out into the tent. Probably one of the worst, like, 
things to throw a quarterback into is that game. Well, yeah, but they didn't have another option at quarterback, yeah. so it's not really an alternative there. He got sacked twice, I think. True, including a backwards pass. Mm-hmm. And then he had an eight-yard pass. So It's just the offensive line is just not good enough. I don't know if it's Jeff Grimes, if he's – or yeah, I think the coach is Jeff Grimes. I don't know if he's the issue. I don't know what the what the solution is here. But the offensive line just is not good enough for a comp- for competitive football. I know that's a crazy thing to say. No, it's not Jeff Grimes. Hold up. Who is the offensive line coach? You're asking the wrong person. Hold on. Will Friend, that's right. Will, Because Jeff Grimes is, is an old offensive line coach from years past. Will Friend is the offensive line coach who apparently spent his three previous seasons at Tennessee and Tennessee fans didn't like him, so... Do that information what you will, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just they're not good enough against anybody. They're, the offensive line's best performance is against Mercer. Since then, they've gotten worse and worse and worse. And, la- and again, Missouri had zero tackles for loss against Abilene Christian. They had nine against Auburn plus four sacks. So what do you do? I have no idea. I, I don't know. And on the defensive side, yes, they played a lot better than they did. But then again, you let up a hundred a hundred yard rusher, and then you also let up a hundred yard passing. And don't even get me started on the wild, crazy catch that set up that field goal, which was probably the reason why Eli Drinkwitz may not be coaching next year at Missouri because they had the ball on like the four yard line, and they just just decided to kneel it over and over again. Exactly. Let's make let's make no mistake on this. Uh, Auburn should have lost that game. Oh yes, a few mm, times, a hundred percent, a handful of times. Justin Lee said it over the weekend, the only people that should celebrate this game are the are the players in the locker room and the coaching staff. But the fans, objective observers, well, less so. True with Drinkwitz. That's just I think the craziest thing to me is just how bad the defense has been. They got better pass rush this Saturday than ever before. But it's important it's important to note that Missouri's offense is terrible. They're not very good. They scored twelve points against Kansas State. A Kansas State team that's not great. Though a Kansas State team that did beat Oklahoma, we'll certainly talk about that in a moment or after the after this upcoming commercial break in about four minutes. But it's just the defense has no run contain. Anytime there's an outside like counter run, every it's like the linebackers are out of position and the edge rushers are just not fast enough. Missouri only caught the ball had the had receptions 14 times but it felt like a lot of those were the ones that killed Auburn I mean Dominic Lovett had a 40 yard reception I believe that was the one at the end of the game but besides that the production was small but in the two drives that they got it going or three drives it was effective it just didn't happen for the rest of the game outside of the two second quarter drives besides Derek Hall I mean what like positives can you really point to on the defense? Colby side? Wooden was pretty good, but I really like. But I, I, Colby Wooden was supposed to be good the whole year, and the fact that they well weren't, or he hasn't been, but he was supposed to be good pretty much all year, and he was really good the last two years, and I think he's a strength again. The defensive line has been. Hold up, I'm reading something else. Also, fun fact, uh, through four games, Auburn has the least amount of passing touchdowns it's had in the last 20 years, tied with the 2008 season, which was a 5-7 and seven season in the end of the Tommy Tuberville era, a really bad offensive year. That sounds about right. I believe that, that we had the least amount of passing touchdowns since that year. I believe uh, that. It makes sense. I mean, it's just 
like Javaris Johnson didn't didn't touch the ball on on Saturday like at all. He's one of your best playmakers. You got to find a way to get him the ball. Coy Moore became the receiver number one somehow, which I like Coy Moore. And this is no this is no um, negativity towards Coy Moore, but my issue is. If he's been this good, where was he previously? It's just the fact that the offense doesn't seem to have any semblance of plan. A lot of people have said that Harson and his coaches, Smetting and Keesaw, have been just overmatched. And I think they're not way off base there. No, you're not at all. I mean, before we go to break, last thing, I mean, I think you brought him up earlier. I think Justin Lee had it perfectly when he said, with his title of his story, it was like, uh, we're like stuck in purgatory. I, that 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 basically sums up Auburn football right now. Like people are starting to sense the end is near. Is just not has happened yet. So. Exactly because I don't think Auburn can beat Georgia. I'm not sure if they can beat LSU. I'm not sure if they can beat Ole Miss or Arkansas. So if they go zero and three in these next four games, LSU, Georgia, and Ole Miss, Harson's going to get fired in the bye week. There's not really a debate there because again, if he doesn't win those games. Where do you get a bowl game? You have to beat LSU, Mississippi State, and Western Kentucky, who just scored 73 points over the weekend, by the way, in order to make a bowl game. And even then, who knows? And I just don't – again, that's you're right, though, and Lee's perfect on that. They're just – we're all in purgatory because it's just counting down the days. Like, every time Harson says, so excited to see the fans under the lights, where's the excitement because – Nobody actually believes he's going to be here in a year, especially after these last two games. He's he's a missed field goal away and a, a Sean Jackson away from us having a different discussion right now. Exactly. A lot of people said it. if they lost that game, I don't think he would have made it to Monday. I really don't. I think we'd be going to the Monday press conference and it would have been interim head coach Zach Etheridge. That's just the way that it is. But, you know, all that said, he's got Auburn. In Jordan-Hare Stadium at 6 o'clock under the lights. No better opportunity to win a game than there. Will they? Can they? I don't know. I don't honestly know, but there's no better opportunity in front of them. The Georgia game is a wash. Might as well be. But I think there's an opportunity there at some point to get some kind of momentum because this Missouri game was the least momentum-giving win I've ever seen. And I don't really know exactly what Auburn can do to turn that around because they've shown nothing outside of that first quarter. It was 14-0. I'm like, wow, maybe they'll get a blowout win here and there'll be momentum for LSU. Instead, it was 17-14 in a game that I don't think either team really wanted to win or could win. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. Alex Houston and Griggs Blankenberg. We'll be right back after... Back here in the WEGL studio for Compact Discourse. Auburn football discussion continuing now. Is there anything else to say, Griggs, at all? I can't believe You were in the student section. How was it, actually? It was brutal. I'm surprised more more students didn't leave earlier. My I dad was, was very impressed. I was impressed, too. I'm like, why are people still staying? I guess it wasn't like a blowout. We weren't losing. 
It was just a matter of fact of it. There was no like hope or anything. Like I was that. surprised the student section was full at all because of how many people I heard were turning in their tickets. A friend of mine Same. got two guest passes to that game. I've never gotten a guest pass except one time. I've gotten a guest pass. I've never heard of someone getting two guest passes. Look, man, this is the story I heard. You know, my dad was at the game, and uh, he actually runs a soup page. I don't know if you if you've heard about. I've this. heard about this. Yeah, the old man in the soup, and he he uh, posted this during the game. Kind of breaking from tradition, not a soup pick, but this game is like broccoli cheese soup from Subway. I will literally eat any soup, and I will watch any SEC game live, no matter how bad. That's <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to have to start referring to the Missouri-Auburn game as the broccoli cheese soup game. The broccoli cheese Subway soup game. The, the, the broccoli cheese Subway soup game. There we go. That is, yeah, but... Because there's not... What else do you call it? Terrible, and... One of the worst. I've watched a lot of football in my times, both NFL and college. I mean, I was at the 0-0 Virginia Tech-Wake Forest game. Oh, jeez. But that one took the cake. That just, yeah. Because both those coaches were Frank Beamer and uh, Jim Grobe at Wake, two, like, legendary coaches. It wasn't like Eli Drinkowitz and Harson in the who's going to keep their job in the, in the to- In the toilet bowl. But I, I think I think the, the, the broccoli cheese Subway soup, um, or the Subway broccoli cheese soup, Game is the official name, and let's just leave it at that. Let's just leave it at that. Um, Indeed. I'm, uh, you want to just talk about some other college football now? I'm actually about to go through the college football scoreboard, let's feeling very it. excited about this. We're going to start off with the ranked opponents and then go wherever we go. This is college football here at Weagle 91.1 FM. So, number one, Georgia, in a bit of a dogfight against the Kent State Golden Flashes. The Bulldogs held on, though, 39-22. to I see what you did there with the dogfight. That wasn't intentional, but Georgia gave up its most points of the year so far. Strange one. Michigan versus Maryland, a close one. Apparently, some officiating that was not so great. The number four Wolverines defeated the Terrapins 34-27. to Penn State and Central Michigan were tied at halftime 14-14, but the Nittany Lions got another win. They're 4-0, beating Central Michigan 33-14. Pitt versus Rhode Island, the number 24 Panthers defeated Rhode Island 45-24. Clemson versus Wake in arguably the game of the year. The Clemson Tigers, ranked fifth in the nation, are still undefeated and defeated the Wake Forest Demon Deacons 51-45 in double overtime. Baylor. Gets back to its winning ways over Iowa State as Dave Aranda gets a huge win over Matt Campbell. The Bears, number 17 in the nation, win 31-24. Middle Tennessee beats Miami. The number 25-ranked Hurricanes are no longer ranked as they lost to Middle Tennessee 45-31 at home in Hard Rock Stadium. Tennessee, number 11 in the nation, gets a signature win over Florida on college game day. The Vols won 38-33 inside a packed Checkerboard, Neyland Stadium. Texas Tech gets a huge win and storms the field over number 22 Texas, 37-34 in overtime. Number 16 Ole Miss over Tulsa, 35-27 in an odd close one. Number 15 Oregon in an absolute fight against Washington State. Washington State's a good football team this year. The Oregon Ducks, number 15 in the nation, win 44-41. Kentucky in another close one over Northern Illinois. The number 8 Wildcats are 4-0, winning 31-23. Arkansas and Texas A&M in a crazy rivalry game. A&M gets back to its winning ways and beats Arkansas 23-21. NC State over UConn 41-10. Ohio State over Wisconsin in a blowout 52-21. 
Alabama over Vanderbilt in another blowout, 55 to 30 to three. Alabama's on one this year. Kansas State beats Oklahoma on the road again, 41 to 34. USC over Oregon State in a very close one, 17 to 14. BYU over Wyoming in a late one. The number 19 Cougars won 38 to 24. Utah defeated an embattled Arizona State team, 34 to 13. And Washington in some Pac-12 after dark magic. The number 18 Huskies defeated Stanford 40 to 22. And that is your college football scoreboard. Of course, though, Kansas is four and zero, but yet the beating Duke. But yet the big journalism, big J's in the world won't rank them. Big journalism, yeah. We'll 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 certainly call call it that. Hey, look. I mean, in fairness, their schedule's not great. But they're 4-0. Yeah, but they're 4-0 against, well, West Virginia, Houston, and Duke. Okay, maybe, maybe they should be. Well, let NC State be 4-0, and their best team they've played is ECU. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But that's the magic of starting ranked. Once you start ranked, it takes a lot to get you unranked. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, just a quick shout-out to the team from back home, South Alabama gets a 38-14 win over Louisiana Tech. They're 3-1, should be 4-0. Kane Womack leading that team to hopefully a bowl game. Crossing my fingers for them. Very excited about that. The fun belt is awesome. James Madison oh, that was is undefeated, by the way. They beat, pa- they beat Appalachian State. But since James Madison made that transition from FCS to Division I, they cannot compete for the Sun Belt Championship this year. So Cowards. They could be undefeated and not even be involved in the Sun Belt Championship, which is just crazy. Another crazy one, I think. It would take a Gene Chiswick-led defense to let the 145th-ranked offense, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, score 45 points on the Tar Heels. 45-32 to up in Chapel Hill. It is so insane that Gene Chiswick still has a job in college football, honestly. Drake May, the quarterback for North Carolina, played insane. 301 yards and five touchdowns, and they still lose by 13. Because Drew Pine, I mean, look, I'll say it first and foremost. I've got family that watch Notre Dame. I had family at the Cal game. Notre Dame is awful. Mm. They're so bad on the offensive end. And the fact that they scored 45, hey, good bounce back game, but North Carolina's an awful, awful team. They got BYU next week. Or no, they have an off week, and then Notre Dame's going to play BYU on Saturday, October 8th in Provo, Utah. So there's that one. But just terrible. Now, Notre Dame does have a winnable schedule down the stretch. They've got UNLV, Navy, Boston College. But bowl game, it, it's going to be tough if they couldn't beat Marshall. But we'll see what we'll see. And where then that they goes. also got USC this year for the first time where Notre Dame – actually is not that good, and USC actually is pretty good. Maybe the first time in a long time that Notre Dame might be the underdog in that in that game. And let's have a look ahead this weekend, actually, while we're at it. Any big games standing out to you? Obviously, Auburn-LSU at night. We're all going to be there in some capacity or another. I got a few. Well, let me start off. Uh, Wake Forest going down to Tallahassee to take on the undefe- undefeated. That's kind of crazy to think about. Florida State Seminoles, that's going to be an interesting game. I think Wake's won the last – three or four meetings, but Tallahassee is always a tough place to play. Um, Kentucky Ole Miss, 7 versus 14. That's the new, uh, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central ESPN game. I, I can understand people being upset about that one if you're an Ole Miss or Kentucky fan. Um, any other ranked v. ranked matchups? Whoa, uh, I see two. I was going to say Alabama-Arkansas, but that one kind of – Arkansas, it's in Fayetteville. Arkansas should not have dropped 10 places from losing to A&M. Granted, did you see the play where K.J. Jefferson— They dro- dropped 10 spots? Mm-hmm. Why? 
you see the play where KJ Jefferson tried to go up, up and uh, out. I and mean, up. the 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 cam the cam debates are done. Did he see? Did you see that though? I did though. That, that was, was on. That was, why are you jumping from the three yard line? That was not. You have good. to jump nine feet. What? I that I was like, I was watching a game with my parents in a restaurant. I'm like, what is? What are they doing? Yeah, I I have no idea why Arkansas dropped ten places, especially considering A and M was ranked. It's technically because I guess you can't put them ahead of any of the undefeated teams, and there are a lot. But, like, Oklahoma lost 12 spots or dropped 12 spots, and that's fair because they lost to an unranked Kansas State team. Well, no, oh, now currently ranked Kansas State team, ranked 25th in the nation. But that's just that's just not 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 the good move there. But I think the craziest thing to me looking at, looking at this uh, schedule right now is the fact that – give me one second. <laughs> we're going to have – Baylor and Oklahoma State playing the same time as Arkansas and Alabama. A lot of great games to watch. And the same time Wake Forest and Florida State play. 2.30 time slot's going to be awesome. And aren't we glad that Auburn and, and LSU are not the 11 a.m. game? Oh, it my. Should, it should be. It hey, sh- it should hey, be. hey, count your blessings. I'm just being – I'm the realistic here. I'm the did voice you, of Did reason. you want to get sunburned in an L? No. Well – are you going to be out in the sun? No, because you're going to be in the press box. Well, yeah, but my, all, all of my, all of my northern northern families coming down, and I was hoping it'd be you know, at least an experience for a quarter. They're going to get an experience when Auburn attempts to stripe the stadium. I don't know how that's going to work. Hey, it's worked out in years past. In reality, they just needed they need to half the stadium and have half the stadium wear blue and the other half like wear what, orange. I like, like Virginia Tech did the other. Yeah, day. I like that. Not- I, th- I think that's that's probably their next neck. I think that should be in the docket for next year because. It'll look better with the student section because it's already one gigantic. We got to get we got to get through this season first. So. That's true, but I'm I'm already looking ahead. What can I say? Yeah, I'm guilty of that. It's only what like a mo- two months before basketball, barely. Yeah, November they start practice this week. So there's that. We're always there to look forward to. Indeed, in some capacity or another. But hey, there's at least a fun weekend of college football coming up. A lot of really cool games going on. College football is really getting in full swing here. You've also got NC State and Clemson. I really don't see NC State. NC State's going to get competing. Exposed They're going to get exposed. I've said it for a while. I believe NC State's one of the most overrated teams in the country. Yeah. Thinking of who they played again before we get a break. They lost. They beat ECU by one point. They beat Charleston Southern, but that's Charleston Southern. They had Texas Tech at home, beat them by uh, thirteen, and then they played UConn. So not. They've really not exactly the murderers row. Yeah, they've played what Texas Tech, but then the next couple games. This is actually kind of crazy. They got Clemson. They have Clemson on the road, Florida State at home, and then Syracuse. Who, if Syracuse plays their cards right, they may be ranked by then. Exactly, Syracuse undefeated. Some close wins over some not great teams in Purdue and Virginia, but still undefeated is undefeated, especially four games into the college football season. The game I'm looking forward to: Missouri and Georgia in. Columbia, Missouri. Just how far behind is Auburn? We're going to find out at 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network as Georgia, they're favored by 27.5. I think that's low. Yeah, that is. That, I, I'm thinking that's a little low after what I saw the other day. And the the, the, to, the total is 54.5. I also think that might be low. Then again, Missouri. For, if, if for Missouri, Georgia. In total, if Missouri can't score, then I guess it really won't matter that well. Also, Oregon versus Stanford at 10 p.m. Oh, the Pac-12 after dark. Lord have mercy on them, all of them. 
Hey, who's Kansas playing this week? I want I want to get this before we go go off um, off to a commercial. They're in the Big Twelve. Hold on, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, they play Iowa State Ooh. at home. Iowa State did not look great last week. A chance for Kansas to get to five and zero. We're all rooting for the Jayhawks here at Weagle at Compact Discourse anywhere because who don't love a who don't love a comeback story? When was the last time Kansas won four games? Oh, 2008. They have oh. not won four games since what I believe was 2009. I believe that was the year they were ranked like two in the nation. No, 2007 was that was the year after. They had to keep to leave on the team. That well, was 2007, and 2008 was the year after that. They haven't started 4-0 in years, but hey, they're time. 4-0 now, and we're all very excited about it. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM, and we'll be right back after this. Back here in the Bradley Basden WEGL studio, this is Compact Discourse. Alex Houston alongside Griggs Blankenberg. Our college football discussion is done, but that means our NFL scoreboard is about to get started. Griggs is going to read them off for us, and here we go. Here we go. Let's get it started with Thursday night in Cleveland. The Browns took down the Steelers 29-17. It's starting to look like it's changes coming for Pittsburgh when in terms of quarterbacks. Jacobers had 220 yards, win two touchdowns. Moving on now to Sunday's action. The Bears defeat the 0-2-1 Texans. Davis Mills throws for 245 yards and a touchdown. Justin Fields doesn't have his greatest game, but the Bears get the job done. Moving on now in the battle of the 0-2s, the Tennessee Titans take down the Las Vegas Raiders 24-22 despite Derek Carr's 303 passing yards. And I don't even know who this person is. Mac Hollins is the leading receiver for the Vegas Raiders, 158 yards, but they lose to the Titans 24-22. Moving on now to Indianapolis for the 1-1-1 Colts. Yep, you heard that right. Defeated the Chiefs for the Chiefs' first loss of the year, 20-17. Patrick Mahomes, 262 yards, can't get the job done for the Chiefs. Moving up to Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium, the Panthers get their first win of the season, the first win in 10 games for Matt Rule and his squad, despite Jameis Winston throwing for 353 yards and Chris Olave getting 147 yards. Saints just couldn't get it done on Sunday. 22-14 final in that one. Moving on now to Miami, to Hard Rock Stadium, where the Dolphins avenge the loss that the Miami Hurricanes suffered to Middle Tennessee State University on Saturday, beating the Buffalo Bills, huh? People who think they is the best team in the NFL. Josh Allen, 400 yards, 63 pass attempts. My word, but they just couldn't get the job done. Moving on now to Kirk Cousins versus the Lions. The Vikings complete the comeback, scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter to take down Dan Campbell and the Lions, 28-24. Moving on now to Foxborough, where the Patriots are playing the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, another great day, 107 yards on the ground. Mac Jones looked a little bit injured, and he also threw three interceptions. But the Ravens take that one, 37-26. Moving on now to the Meadowlands where Quinnen Williams and his coach got into a heated discussion, but it was no matter for that because Joe Burrow, after deleting all social media, finally gets his first win of the season. Bengals 27, Jets 12. Finally, moving on, we're talking about the Washington Commanders taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. It was all Jalen Hurts all day as the Eagles dominate and defeat the Commanders 24-8. Moving on now, the Jaguars, huh, are the best team 
in the AFC South potentially, and they are win against the Chargers 38 to 10. Despite Justin Herbert coming back, with people thought it was a little early from his rib injury with 297 yards. Rams beating the Cardinals 20 to 12. Kyler Murray 314 yards, but now that's to take down Matthew Stafford and the Rams. The Falcons next get their first win of the year going on the road to Seattle, defeating Geno Smith and the Seahawks 27-23. Arthur Smith's first win of 2022. And moving on to also now the battle of two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady can't get the job done, and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers defeat the Buccaneers 14-12. And finally, in one of the worst Sunday Night Football games these eyes have ever seen, the Broncos somehow win against the San Francisco 49ers 11-10 after Garoppolo Orlovskied in the back of the end zone becoming a safety walking out of the back of the end zone, but the Broncos get that one away, and Nathaniel Hackett gets his first home win after a lot of criticism. And that was your compact discourse NFL scoreboard. Man, that Sunday night game was awful. It was so bad. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Just. <sighs> when you have an Orlovsky in a game. Two awful teams, honestly. And they Orlovsky in a game. Well, yeah, Dan's very happy that he's no longer. Um... He was tweeting about it. I loved it. Excellent. Excellent. But some I, of the I, games I, we can talk to. Um, let's start with the the main one from some of the only battle between the two undefeateds. Dolphins, Bills. Um the Dolph- are the Dolphins legit? It's starting to seem like it is. They might be. They might just be. I, the jury's still out on two. Of the, um, the, also out, still out on two is the NFLPA going in depth on how the Dolphins handled Tua's concussion looking like Yeah, it. yeah. that was pretty. Did you see the one where he was, like, stumbling he around? fell down? Yeah, I saw that. That was awful. But, you know, I'm not surprised that they're going to be looking into the Dolphins. They absolutely should. That was ridiculous. There's a reason these protocols are in place, ladies and gentlemen, because getting getting hit like that, showing those symptoms and going back into the game is how you develop CTE. That's how it happens. There's a reason these protocols are in place. But, you know, <clears throat> Miami, Mike McDaniel, that that's a horrible management. I don't know who's to blame for any of that, but that should not happen under any circumstances. Yeah. That, There's a reason these protocols are in place. That's not – NFL make it that mad that one. Um and the, the offensive coordinator losing it in the in the box for the Bills, that was pretty funny. Yes, I agree. That that was quite funny as well. Um the Colts beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes looked a little bit upset with Eric Bieniemy on the sideline and people starting to criticize Eric Bieniemy where for the last 3 couple years people been saying he's getting a head coaching job. Maybe now starting to come out why he's not getting that chance yet and LaShawn McCoy said that he's just a bad coach basically is what is what he posted then again how do you you don't know if you can listen to LaShawn McCoy because disgruntled former employee former player is what LaShawn McCoy is right that that's not the greatest metric on someone's coaching ability obviously but I did see that just a crazy weekend also Jacksonville making Urban Meyer look like the worst excuse me coach ever oh I have a stat about that hold on take it the stat all right, Doug Peterson is now tied with Urban Meyer for fifth all-time in wins by a coach in Jaguars history. However, Doug Peterson has only coached three games. Urban Meyer, meanwhile, coached, I think, 13? Yeah. Or 14 games. He won two games. Oh, yeah. Wait, the Jacks have, yeah, the Jacks have only won twice. That makes sense. They're good, too. I mean, they, they've beaten, you know, some bad teams, sure, Justin Herbert injured and whatnot. But 38 points is 38 points, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they've just got – They've got a good roster of young players. Trevor Lawrence, 
obviously James Robinson, Travis Etienne, right? Zayon Walker. Zay Jones, who was really good in college. I'm glad to see he's finally, you know, sort of stringing it together his sixth season in the league. I mean, yeah, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Jameer Agnew, or Jamal Agnew, excuse me, Evan Ingram even, right? You know, they, they got a talented group of people that are, you know, not like, not your Super Bowl winners, obviously, but should have been a lot better than they were last year. And that's a testament to Urban Meyer again, which, of course, he'll be back in coaching at some point. He always is, no matter what. Nebraska's still calling. I don't, I don't see him going to Tempe, but. Nebraska is a possibility. You mean Arizona State? Yeah, that's. Oh Tempe. no, yeah, I, I, I meant. Did you mean that? Not, yeah. Not, yeah. Okay. That, that's why I thought. I just was like, I couldn't remember for a second. Um, I don't know where he'll go, but you never do know with this guy. I mean, let's go to this one. I mean, Commanders, Eagles. I mean, I don't want to talk about it. They had two. They had. They won the first, third, and fourth quarters. I mean, they only limited it to the second quarter. I don't want to talk about it. Hey, it's okay. Don't worry. It's the Eagles are good this year, apparently. No, that, that that's not the issue. The issue is Ron Rivera should be fired, but, you know. I'll take him back. I don't care. Yeah, you can have him. This man, oh, my. The roster is awful. They just didn't improve any position from last year. They're like, you know, we got a quarterback, so letting our two best guards go and having nothing but practice squad cornerbacks is a great idea. <laughs> uh, they brought this data about uh, David Tepper and the Panthers. I'll get to that in our next game. I'm trying to – Pull up the stat that I saw. Um, where'd it go? I retweeted yesterday kind of early. Um, Was it the fact that he's just let rules stick around after oh, firing Rivera? Yes, here's one. David Tepper fired Ron Rivera for going 5-7 and seven with Kyle Allen. And then, honestly, the first two losses were with Cam Newton that year. So, Ron was technically 5-5 five and five with Kyle. And then he got the action being mediocre. And then, this is right after Ian Rapport reported that David Tepper is playing to be patient with Matt Rule. So... It's just about hypocrisy now, but he's not. It is pretty crazy because I don't really know what patience Matt Rule has earned because the team has the same problems no matter who's at quarterback, no matter who's on the roster. McCaffrey, no McCaffrey, eh, they're not exactly great. It's just the offense at this point. I mean, the defense looked – Well, let's just go ahead and go to that game. Saints 14, Panthers 22, first game and first of 10 games the Panthers have won. First time they've won at home in 371 days against, you guessed it, the New Orleans Saints. Ouch. Yeah, not great. Not great. But um, but McCaffrey, 108 yards. I mean, Jameis Winston threw it 41 times for 353 yards. Granted, I did not can't really count back where I saw 353 passing yards from him, but I did know Chris Olave played really well. But then the Panthers' defense scoring their first defensive touchdown since 2020 – and then they blocked a field goal, and then they also the Saints missed the field goal as well, and the Saints ended up getting 14 in the fourth quarter. But still, the Panthers – and then Derek Brown, the big man out of Auburn. Did you see the one-handed interception? Yes, I did. I did. Man, man got that one. That was unbelievable. Derek Brown is the GOAT. We already knew. I think the Panthers had three picks the other day. I believe they did because J.C. Horn got one. Oh, wait, no, there was two because one of them was a fumble. Yes. Right. So two – so Panthers – Taking a playbook out of Auburn, getting some turnovers finally this week. And Jameis Winston with five interceptions in the last two games. Not great. Not not great. Not great at all. Not what not certainly not what New Orleans wants out of their quarterback. No doubt about and then that. Baker Baker's an interesting story because he had eleven eleven point three QBR, but then again he did make some smart decisions. I mean Lavasca Chalant. Junior, speaking of former Jacksonville players, 70, 67-yard touchdown. 
I think it's just a matter of time where if Baker and the receivers get on a good connection and then Baker can get time from that terrible offensive line, it can make the difference. But now my question is, what is this NFC? I mean, the Buccaneers, people are obviously going to win. But now in the NFC South, there are three teams tied at one and two. So I don't know what the deal is that because James Winston does not look 100% healthy. He absolutely does not, and I think, again, the NFC South is kind of a mess right now. Atlanta doesn't know what their identity is, running the ball, throwing the ball to Marcus Mariota, who knows. The NFL, a lot of, lot of teams still figuring themselves out as time goes on, and we've got some news to break after the break about the Pro Bowl. No longer the Pro Bowl, about to become the Pro Bowl games, apparently. We'll break it down right after this brief PSA break and also give you your War Eagle weather update. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. Alex Houston, Griggs Blankenberg, and we'll be right back after this short break. In the WEGL studio, this is Compact Discourse Sports Edition. Alex Houston here with co-host of the Eagle's Nest, co-host of Smooth Operators. And now probably one of the permanent additions on this Monday show. Indeed, it seems like it. Griggs Blankenberg. Going to be a lot of excitement coming up this weekend. We already talked about it, but some sad news, or it depends on your perspective on sad or your definition of the word sad. The NFL is making big changes to the Pro Bowl this year. The AP has learned the NFL is replacing the Pro Bowl with week-long skills competitions and a flag football game. The new event will replace the full contact showcase started in 1951 and will be renamed the Pro Bowl Games. That's interesting. That is, but at the same time, I kind of understand why they want to get away from a full contact Pro Bowl. Because here's the thought about it. Because it's not full contact anymore? Not really full contact anymore. And the fact that they're playing an extra game now. And some most of those players who are in the Pro Bowl are on teams who have been playing in at least one playoff game. So, and If the voting works right. I don't, but I can't remember the last time I watched the full Pro Bowl. I might have flipped it on in passing when I saw it on ESPN or something like that. But can you remember the last time you watched a full Pro Bowl game? If ever, um, twenty like eleven maybe when I was eleven, like I couldn't tell you at all when when I when I did. I mean, it's just a passing thought for me now. It's just like I'll see the stuff that I want to see on Twitter, and that was it. So there's that. Yeah, like I I just I just don't. Nobody does. That's the problem with the Pro Bowl is that. It, it Again, a contact sport all-star game was never going to work as the game changed because why would you willingly, under any circumstances, go full speed and full contact in a game that doesn't matter? You know, even NBA had a problem with, with effort. The only perfect all-star game is baseball, but that's because you don't really have to, you know. But that's just like, that's like the baseball one I can see is like, it's like tradition. It's been going on forever. It's also in the middle of the year. It, yes, unlike... Well, NBA still, NBA does like the two third mark, five yeah, eighths yeah, mark, it's in not February. exactly the half. But I've always liked the NBA; it's just high scoring. But then the NBA skills contest night is, without question, one of the best nights. In Agreed. All of like non actual game sports. One thing I thought was really weird is that the Pro Bowl used to do more skill. Like they had that one where Brett Favre and all the quarterbacks just see how far they could <laughs> throw. Favre. That'd be cool. 
We don't talk. We're not talking <laughs> about that. We're certainly not talking about all that nonsense involving him. But that'd be cool. And I, I always thought it was weird that they didn't. I think they brought that back though last year. Or they're trying to still bring in some of those aspects because they're not going to Hawaii every year now. They should. ASU. It was cool. I like. I like those fun little skills competitions. Now they're just doing it in the home of the mouse. And again, yeah, they're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to do it during the middle of the year either because that's ridiculous. So. It was never going to continue to work. Basketball and NBA kind of fixed theirs with the stakes and whatnot. My, was like, what? No, my question is like, how does this affect ESPN? Because that was their game. They were given that. So. True. Uh, well, the skills competitions still get ratings. Still enough. get ratings, but the NFL is a machine. They make. I mean, you know, every time there's like guys, the biggest co- college football game of the year was viewed by 10 million people, and then their NFL's like, yeah. Our Thursday night game that nobody cared about got 15 million yeah, viewers. You were like pointing this like this NBA Finals game was the most watched game, and then NFL was like, "Oh, cool, Raiders Browns last year surpassed that by five million." People. Exactly, and nobody cared about that game either. Like the NFL viewership is just they, it's massive. That's why I always say it on the Eagles Nest. NFL is king. That's why they're having. Uh, I also said this on my F1 podcast. That's like where I'm like they're holding the uh, Las Vegas F1 race on a Saturday, the fourth ever time an F1 race has been on Saturday because they don't want to compete with the Raiders. And all that stuff wow. going on in Las Vegas. So there you go. There's a little F1 tidbit for the fans listening out there. Like even even the week two ratings right here. I mean, Chicago and Green Bay, 19 million. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, uh, Carolina, New York, and Atlanta and LA all combined for 16 million. New England and Pittsburgh, 14 million. Los Angeles and Kansas City, 13 million. Minnesota and Philadelphia, 12 million. I mean, it's a machine. Dallas, Cincinnati, again, 27 million. Craziness. It's crazy. Crazy. And speaking, this I said this on Twitter, but this has been a great sports week for me besides Auburn until like the last like two minutes. But I mean, this would be probably no, I'm just gonna be realistic. This is probably the only week in the rest of the season where my one of my team both my teams are gonna win. So You've already had that this year with the Commanders, right? Yeah. Yeah, barely. Week week two. For we don't Auburn. we don't we don't count that week. But you got to take it when you can, though, and that's what I'm doing this week. And uh, one of one of the, our Weagle people is going to be having to wear a Luke Keekley jersey on the Eagles' nest on oh, Thursday. Lord. So I'm looking very much forward to that. That's going to be great. Even though Matt Rule, I want him still gone, but we, that was the title of the show last week. Really? I mean, the title of your show last week. Of oh yeah. Discourse. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know. Hey man, maybe maybe we'll be coming over here. But now it's time to talk about the. Well, first that was too low. I gotta turn it back up again. Nice guys, it's time to talk about the. There we go. go. Here in Auburn, it's a cool seventy-two degrees and Mm. sunny right, or seventy-one degrees actually, and sunny right now. High of eighty-five, low of sixty-one. Humidity at eighty-four percent. Wind six miles per hour to the south or north north to south. That is, sunset or scheduled for six thirty p.m. Scheduled mm. sunset going to be at six thirty p.m. <laughs> scheduled and again for next Saturday, LSU game a high of seventy three, a low of sixty, fifty percent chance of rain. But hopefully, looking like the rain could clear out for the LSU Auburn game at six p.m. But yeah, that's your Auburn weather. A lot cooler. It's starting to cool down a bit. We're going to be in the 70s for the next week. Going to go up back into the 80s next Tuesday, but then it'll still be low 80s. So count our blessings there. I think fall is upon us. It is. One last question before we end this great episode. Oh, wait. First of all, that was your 
Here we go. One more thing. I'm talking about the NFL. Last thing I'm going to say. All right. 7-15 tonight on ABC and ESPN. The Cowboys with Cooper Rush taking on the New York Giants in a game the Giants are trying to push as a wideout. Mr. Houston, who do you got? The Giants versus the who now? Cowboys. Cowboys. Uh, Giants. Giants 3-0. Brian, Brian Dayball looking good. Dallas not looking good. Though Cooper Rush somehow beat Joe Burrow last week. Never thought that would happen. But I think I got to go to the Giants. I think they'd be the. I think it'd be the Giants would be the only three and O team in the NFC, and then the um, Dolphins would be the only three and O team in the AFC. Oh wait, no, the Eagles too. But that's crazy enough. And it'll be a crazy NFC East this year. Looking like it's going to be another crazy one. But this has been Compact Discourse. We thank you all for listening to this episode. And again, don't forget to tune in tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday, for different hosts, different types of shows, different styles, different content. This is. Weagle's Daily Morning Show, Alex Houston alongside Griggs Blankenberg. We thank you for joining us, and we'll see you all next Monday. But again, don't forget to tune in tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. Tomorrow's going to be Logan Hurston, Program Director's Show. Going to be a fun one. Maybe I'll be there. Who knows? Mm. Lots of surprises in store for this year of WGL programming. We hope you'll stay with us.